Amen. Well, good morning, Northland. How are you guys doing this? Man, you look good this morning. You look, you look well rested. Love to know what each of you did with your extra hour last night. Hopefully, a lot of you got some extra sleep. That only applies if you don't have small children. Because somehow they are just, for whatever reason, just wired. You don't have to even tell them that we get an extra hour, and somehow they just automatically know to get up an extra hour early just to wreck that for you. But, uh, but yeah, so yesterday, um, the cold weather, love that. Uh, I, I think that uh, yesterday morning when I woke up and um, uh, I opened up front door, I was like, whoa, it's kind of chilly, especially for a Florida kid, right? Like, like it's just kind of chilly out, right? And so I saw this couple running by. I was going, nope. <laughs> it's going to have to warm up a little bit before I go throw those running shoes on, right? We're, uh, we're in this series. You saw the... Uh, uh, you saw the, the reference to running there, and, and uh, i gotta, I got to stop right now and just thank my other pastors uh, for joining me in this week's sermon teaser. I don't know if you saw that or not, but I had them get out here and, and do some running, and, uh, to which they were so thankful for And um, as, as we filmed that going into the weekend. But, um, so thank you to, to those guys. You know, we are in that season. We're in what's called marathon season, and people are training uh, for these big marathons. Last few weeks ago, we had the Boston Marathon. Uh, and, you, and I think this next week is the, the New York Marathon, and, and I'm always impressed with how these people train for these huge, long races, and uh, I mean, because you don't just sign up for the Boston Marathon and, and show up and, and run it, right? Like, it's, it's just, you just don't do that. And so there's these qualifiers that you have to enter into, and you have to uh, place a certain time in these qualifying races in order to be entered into like a Boston or New York Marathon, the bigger ones around the world. And so a few years back, couple of guys from Kenya who are well known for running flew over to the United States. We're going to run in this particular qualifying race up in Chicago. And they got in the day earlier. They took a, a kind of a quick tour of the, the course. And as they, uh, the next day, race day comes and they get in, they get into the race and they kind of got separated a little bit at, at, at first and then started to make their way back towards each other. They're, they're, uh, the, the one, one of them was favored to not only win that qualifying race, but to set um, to, to set a new record that had been uh, broken just a few years prior. Well, as, as the race continues, it got down towards the end of this particular qualifying race. Uh, they they, they, they kind of got back towards close to each other. The one was leading, and uh, for whatever reason, he started following a race volunteer who was leading the pack on a bicycle. And so instead of watching where the course was, he started following the biker. And what ends up happening is he follows this biker who makes a wrong turn and follows him right down several blocks away. Both of these guys were disqualified because they went off the course. Because of that, because he was in the right place at the right time, a guy by the name of Tyler Pence won that race. He's the cross-country coach at the University of Illinois. It just happened to be in the right place at the right time. But I think we can all relate to getting off course sometimes in our lives. And, and just so you know how that story ended, these two runners flew back to the United States for another qualifying race and ended up making it into the Boston Marathon that year and actually did pretty well. But, but we have to be mindful of that. We are told, as you know, we are told uh, that we are to run this race, as the Bible says. We are, we are instructed to run this race with perseverance, the race marked before us. We're to run with purpose, fervently, as if we see the finish line that is before us. Nowhere in, in the Word can I find it where it says that we're to run this race by ourselves. It's just not there. We work better when the body is working in tandem together. 
And that's what, this morning as we kind of unpack what this community, what does true biblical community look like, that's what we're going to talk about. Because historically, throughout the word, we see this happening where, where God chooses his, his people, the Israelites, and he, and he says, and even in Leviticus, he says, I am going to be your God. You are my people. I'll be your God and you shall be mine. You will be my people. And they lived and they worshipped him for, for, for generations. And then Jesus came and he, he died and was resurrected. And, and when we see the ascension of Christ and, and, and after that is the installation of the New Testament church that you and I now know today. And so I, I often wonder, and I want to ask you this this morning, what did those early church gatherings look like? What were they like? When the church, when the fellowship of, of believers got together, what were they like? Well, if I gave you a, a homework assignment this weekend, and I said, I want you next week to bring a, a one-page essay back to me, and I want you to tell me what the modern-day church, what, what gatherings of Christians, those who are pursuing Jesus, what that should look like, I, how many of you would, would want to do that? Exactly, right. But if I said there's, a, there's a things that quantify that, I said, I, I don't want you to go and read books about what the church should look like. I want to just, I want to know just what Scripture says. And so you, you read just that, because there's several books out there. There's hundreds of books out there that tell us what church should look like, right? There's one guy, you know, one, one author says, oh, there's, there's seven things that you need to have a successful church. And this guy over here says, no, there's three things that you need to have to have a successful church. And if you're doing more than three, you're doing it wrong. So it's all over the place. And those are great things, but what does the Word of God teach us in regards to what true biblical community looks like, and that's where we want to unpack this uh, this morning, because as I ascribed to this kind of assignment a few weeks ago, getting ready for today, I started reading through the New Testament, and I started pulling things out, like, what does it say about that we're supposed to be in biblical community? And there's several things, and there's four kind of themes that kept coming. These aren't my words, these are authors of, of God's Word. And then there are four kind of themes that kept coming forward, and, and so the first one is kind of this, it's like... It's like there's this, this family aspect. It's like they were together. There was this love that, that, that was displayed in these gatherings. It was like there was this family. They just wanted to be together. They, they loved each other so well. They cared for one another's needs. It was kind of like this thing where, where what's mine is yours, and, and if you hurt, guess what? I'm, I'm going to hurt with you. There was just, just this love, this family-like love. And the second theme was kind of like there was, they, they stayed on mission. There was this tenacity to stay on mission, there was this message that they were concerned about. And the message was, let's get those who are not experiencing what you and I are experiencing right now, and we have to go find them and tell them about Jesus. And they stayed on mission, and they figured out, let's plan, let's strategize, and that stayed on, that stayed on topic. And then the, then the third kind of theme is a saying where they were very focused. They were focused on the blood and the body of Jesus Christ. What I mean by that is this, is they, just like you and I did just a few minutes ago with, with communion, they kept that at the forefront in their gatherings. They reminded themselves of the great sacrifice that Jesus made on their behalf. They kept that in front of them all of the time. And it also says they were focused kind of on, they were devoted to praying for one another. I often wonder, I said, man, what if we stopped right now? And I just said, let's pray for one another. And you pop up and you say, you have a need, we pray for that. And you pop up and say, I have this need, we pray for that. Man, I'm going through this and we're just, we're just stepping into that with you. What would that look like? That's, that's what they did. And the fourth kind of theme, they, it also says they were, they were devoted to one another praying, but also they used their gifts to bless each other. 
the gifts that God had given them, they, they came out in these gatherings. The fourth thing would be like there was this, there seemed to be like this equipping or training that was going on. Like the church leaders were, were super emphatic about like, let's make sure that we're training people for serving. We're equipping people how to do ministry of the kingdom of God. And they just kept that in front of themselves. These are kind of like the four major things. And I, I want to ask this question this morning. Is this what we are experiencing in our gatherings today? You know, Paul writes in, in 1 Corinthians, this is kind of the, the passage we're going to hang out in this morning. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 14. And it's not like an unfamiliar passage. I know you're very familiar with this passage. Um, but it really speaks and lends itself into what we're dealing with this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 14 says this, For even as the body is one and yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one Spirit. For the body is not one member, but it is of many. Again, we ask, what is happening? Is this what we're experiencing in our gatherings together? from a biblical standpoint. I mean, I don't know what your experience is like growing up in church. I don't know what your experience was before you started coming to Northland. But is this what, what we're experiencing now? I mean, like it, how crazy would it be to someone who's never been to church before walks in this door and they're like, wow, man, I can't believe the way that this group of people loves each other. Man, they care for one another so well. They're meeting each other's needs. They're praying for, it's crazy. I've never seen anything like this. Whatever they're serving in that cafe, I'm gonna go get me some. Right? But, but then you and I, how would we answer that? How would we respond? We'd say, no, that's just the Holy Spirit living out what community looks like in our lives towards one another. And man, that whole staying on mission thing, like, like is that what we're experiencing? Are we staying on mission? Like, it's easy to come here and worship and then to get in our cars and drive home back to our comfortable homes, right? And, and this isn't a guilt trip thing. It's just like, where is this on our priority list? Are, are, we, are we concerned about staying on mission of getting the gospel in front of other people who do not know? I mean, there's people, to stop and to think that there's people in this world who have not yet heard about Jesus Christ. We can't imagine that. But it's true. It's happening. And it's not overseas. It's in our neighborhood. It's in our schools. It's in our workplaces. There's people that have not heard. And so a non-believer comes walking down the aisle and says, man, you guys really are concerned. You guys really are passionate about this Jesus thing and getting that message out because you're planning, you're strategizing, you're staying on. And you know, the third, I mean, are our gatherings really, really this type of thing where we're coming together and we're blessing each other with the gifts that God has given us? Like we're exonerating him, we're glorifying him through the gifts that he's given us. We're fellowshiping with one another, we're praying with one another. We're studying God's word with one another, devoted to praying for one another. Listen, this is not a community thing where, where you and I, like, we get together and we do some things together, and then we just happen to show up here at 530 Dogtrack Road on the weekends, right? No, first, we are a church first. Let me say that again. We are a church first. And out of that, where, where real biblical community is birthed. We're a community that's got to understand and, 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 and gets to the point where, like, hey, we understand that we are a body made up of many members, and not all of them are like me. We are made up of many members, some that I like to be around. It's not just them. There's some that, 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 I, that I can tolerate being around. It's not just them. We are many. And then once we start to see that and we get that, that perception of what that really looks like, then we can do work like we're, you know, it's interesting. 
You think of this from a global view. I got to sit under this guy in seminary, his name is D.A. Carson, he wrote this book, Love in Hard Places. And he said this about, about what biblical community should like. He says, what binds us together is not common education, common race, common income levels, common politics, common nationality, common accents, common jobs, or anything else of that sort. Christians come together because they have all been saved by Jesus Christ and owe him a common allegiance. They are a band of people from different experiences who love one another for the sake of Christ himself. Listen, are you grateful for this community? Man, I, this is a special place. I mean, I've only been here about a little over three years, and, and man, this is a special place. Are you grateful for this community that we have called Northland? Are you grateful for the modern-day church that we still get to gather together and worship God? Are you grateful that we just got to share communion with our sisters in Christ who are, who are having a retreat this morning? That's incredible. That was birthed out of the generosity of God working in your hearts. Are we grateful that just a few weeks ago that we, we got to see 20-plus believers get baptized, publicly proclaim Jesus in public, in front of their family, in front of their friends, in front of us, their family. Can you imagine? I mean, it's a watermark moment in your life when you get baptized, bar none. But can you imagine coming up out of the water in that baptistry and one person standing there with a towel to greet you versus coming up out of that water and man, you come up out of that water, and, 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 and what happened a few weeks ago, you hear the, the, the band is playing, people are worshiping, praising God, celebrating with this person what God is doing in their life. People are clapping, people are weeping, cheering for them. That's the kind of, that's the kind of community that I want. That's what I want to be a part of. That's what's, that's what's attractive to me. Man, whatever, whatever's happening there, that's what I want to be a part of. And we see this, this community, you know, a lot of times... Community is, is a word that, that a lot of us get confused with fellowship. So, so let's look at that for just a second. So the, the word koinonia lends itself to just that, joint participation. That's where we get the word fellowship from, koinonia. Concepts such as that, sharing together, giving to the whole as a group. But from, the, from that word koinonia, it comes from a root word, koinonas. And that word means a partner. A associate, a comrade, and a companion chair. We'll break that down in just a minute. And what biblical community looks like, watch this, it's, it's, it's you and me. It's saying, I'm inviting you into my life and I'm going to be better for it. And we're going to sharpen each other. We're going to encourage one another. Like our iron sharpens iron. We're going to sharpen each other. We're going to make each other better. Think about back when my, my oldest son started uh, getting into cross country. Cross country is not the sport you just go sign up for and then you just go out and do it, right? Anybody ever run cross country before? All right, a few of you. All right, it's not, that's not the sport where you're just like, yeah, I'm going to sign up for this. Like, all right, here I am. No, you got to get ready for this. And it takes a season or two to get your body ready uh, to, to really get into the sports. Anyway, so my son starts this in middle school. And so after that first season, I asked him, I said, hey, James, what, what is the toughest part for you on, this, on these courses? On, on, you know, they get up early on those Saturday mornings and you go all over the state of Florida and you run in these cross-country meets. What's the hardest part of you when you're on that course? And he said, Dad, it's when, it's when I'm on the back part of the course and I can't hear my coach. I'm in a section of the race where no one can see me. I can't hear anyone. I can't, you know, I might be in, you know, behind some of my teammates. I may be in front of others that I can't see. 
back there, and that's when it gets mentally tough. Okay. So from that point on, his mom and I tried to make it a point. Every cross-country meet after that, we, we went blazing through the woods, over creeks, whatever we could do to get into those hard places. Why? So he could hear our voice in those moments. Come on, keep going. Keep pumping your arms. Keep leaning forward. Just go get that next guy in front of you. Get to that next corner. When you turn, you'll see people. Keep going. You've got this. Think about my community. That's what I need in my community. I need someone to go like, Rob, keep going. You've got this. Keep pumping your arms. Because, man, mentally, that can be a tough place to be in. Because mentally, that's when, that's when the enemy is going like, hey, there's nobody around. Your coach can't see you. You deserve, you've earned walking for like 30 seconds. You can walk this. You can slow down. No one's going to know. No, I need somebody in my life. Hey, Rob, keep going. That's why we need community. Keep leaning forward. Keep pressing on towards the finish line. Now, what I would like for us to do right now is like, I would like for us, to, would, you, would you join me as we go on a scripture run? Don't worry. I'm not going to make you get up and run around the room while I recite scripture. I saw some of you getting nervous. Here's what I want to do. I want to just kind of remind us as, from some of these verses in, in the New Testament. As we look at these, because if, here's the thing, if we're truly pursuing Jesus in relationship with one another, then, then what we're not doing is what we're going to do is we're going to, we're going to do nothing out of selfishness. We're not going to do anything out of envy conceit, but with humility of mind for each other. We're going to consider other people more important than ourselves. We're going to live out what God has called us to live out, what Jesus is calling to, which is to love other people as he has loved us. We're going to become companions, which... Let's break that word down. Companion simply means we're going to become bread fellows. We're going to break bread together. We're going to share life together. We're going to make each other better to what God has called us to be in this life. Why? Because we are better together. We are better together. We're going to encourage each other day after day after day. We're going to, we're going to walk through your trials, each other's trials, trial after trial. After, you know what? We're going to celebrate each other's victories, victory after victory. After victory. Man. We're going we're gonna to walk in the light as he is in the light together. We're going we're gonna to bear one another. We're going to carry each other's burdens. And we're going to live in harmony with one another. Because that's what his word says that we need to be when it comes to community. Now Paul continues to write. In 2 Corinthians, or yeah. In this uh, passage we're looking at right now. Verses 18 through 20, it says, But now God has placed the members, each one of them in the body, just as he desired. If they were all one member, where would the body be? Great question, Paul. But now there are many members, but one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Or, again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, you know what? We need each other. You need me, I need you. In this community. Now, community is, is, is difficult. There's some things that we don't like to talk about. There's a part of community we just don't like to talk about. So I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to beat us up for just a minute, if you will. Here's the thing. If anybody has cornered the market on the fellowship meal, 
of the New Testament church? It's, it's the church, right? Like, we do fellowship meals very well. For hundreds and hundreds of years, we have been doing, I don't know what kind of church you grew up in, but man, there might be, you may have grown up in a church where there was a fellowship meal every Wednesday night. There was a fellowship meal every Sunday after, uh, after the sermon. Once a month, there's a new fellowship meal to welcome new members. I mean, I grew up in a Baptist church, and we did not miss a meal, let me just tell you. I've, I've, I've had it all. I've seen it all. I've been a part of, of other churches' fellowship meals. We have cornered the market on the fellowship meal and have done it well. What, what I don't need, and this is the part that is hard for me as it is you, the part of community that we don't like to step into is that I don't need, I don't need another fellowship meal for, someone to, for me to sit around and talk about sports or, or, or finances or, or cars or whatever. I don't need that. What I need is someone to, to actually come alongside me and to speak truth into my life. I tell our students, especially our college students, I don't need somebody just to, to hold me by the hand and say, good job, Rob, you're doing a great job. I'm here with you. After I make poor choice after poor choice, bad decision after bad decision, head down every other road other than the direction I need to be headed. That's what, what I need. What I need is someone to speak bold truth into my life, not someone who will hold my hand as I, as I drive over the cliff. What I need is someone who will, who will take me by the shoulder, spin me around and go, bold truth is this, Rob, the decisions you're making are not godly. What are you doing? I need someone who will step in front of me and call me out. Tell me the direction I'm heading is not the direction that God desires upon my life. I need that. And that's a part of the thing, like, like I hear people say this all the time, like, well, you know, he was just going through this thing and, and I mean, like, you, you know, you do you, I'll do me. That's not biblical. If we're going to be in true biblical community, we've got to step in to one another. We've got to be subject to one another, respectfully. But we've got to take this truth, man, we've got to pray it into each other. I need somebody like that in my life. Who, this morning, who is speaking bold truth into your life? I've given two, many people, I've, my wife is one of them who can speak to me at, at any time, and, and she does, okay, all right. Very appreciative of that most of the time. No, she's great. She, she does it very well. But I, two guys I've given full permission to speak into my life. And, and having those conversations sometimes are, are very difficult. And, and I see that phone. I see his name come up on my phone. I'm like, oh, man, here we go. Because I know the questions that are coming. Hey, how, what kind of husband have you been being? What kind of dad have you been? You know, what, what are you doing? What have you been faithful to? What have you been unfaithful to? And man, sometimes I'm just like, oh, I don't want to answer that right now. I'm like, seriously, God, right now? But that's what I needed. I need that in my life. And we're, we're, we must be joking with ourselves if we think that we're, we're going to say that we're, I'm going to pursue Jesus. I'm going to pursue this relationship, and we're not going to do it in community together. We've got to be kidding ourselves, because if you look at First Thessalonians, or, or I'm sorry, if you look at... Um, uh, Ephesians chapter 4 says, Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth, each one of you, to his neighbor. We are members of one another, as the scripture says. And you go on down, that's where you see the famous verse. Ephesians 4, 29 says, Let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only that which is good, positive for what? For edification of the body. So we've got to be careful. But we need to speak truth to one another. And we need to allow people to, 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 to come into our lives who will have that ability to speak to us. I mean, it's great to have people holding your hand and being with you. There's great friends, and they do it well. But we've got to invite that person, those people into our life, to speak bold truth. 
I mean, I hope that, that, that whoever's in, in my life, I give them permission to be like it is in 1 Thess- Thessalonians chapter 5. Admonish me when I'm unruly. Right? Encourage me when I'm, I'm faint-hearted. Help me when I'm weak. We can't be serious and say that we're going to pursue Jesus and not do it in community. See, see the Bible says that we're, we're in this, we're, in the, we're a part of this body. Now, if you take a member of that body and you take it over here and place it over here, we call that dismemberment. It's not a pretty picture. The part that has been dismembered is flailing, not flourishing. And the rest of the body is over here. Is that, that member is over there. The rest of the body is also missing out, not working as well together as it should. Now, there's different subjects to that, different conditions for that. But if we're in biblical community, I love what it says in, in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. It says, let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as in the habit of some. Let's stop there a second. This pandemic has inadvertently, not on purpose, has, has developed some habits in us that are not healthy. We were forced into isolation, and some of us are still living in that isolation. And, and this is your warning. This is the, 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 the stop sign that goes, oh, let's, let's stop. Let's look at this. We need to step back out of that. Now, hey, I love Amazon as much as the next guy. Right, but we've, we've turned that into, like, I don't even have to go in the grocery store anymore. All my food's going to be delivered. All, all this is going to be, like, I can go get this at curbside. I don't have to go in here. I don't have to see anybody. I can, and next thing you know, we are by ourselves. I can watch church online. Thank God, right? Thank God we already had that built in. Man, if you're, work, if you're watching online and you just haven't gotten back here to the community, man, we miss you. And we want to see you. Some of us just need to stop, back, like step back and go, okay, what, where am I not being a part of the community? What community am I not being included in? Because you know what? Your community needs you. Your family needs you to step in and be all that you can be for it. And we need community in our life, true biblical community, as it says. The verse continues on, it says, um, but encouraging one another all the more day, all the more as you see the day drawing near. We need to seek after that which is good for one another. We need to clothe ourselves in humility with one another. Be in subjection to one another. Stir on, stir up each other to love and to good works, as it said, as we just read. Give preference to one another. Honor and encourage one another day after day, lest any of us should become hardened by the deceitfulness of our sin. Now, Paul finishes this passage by saying this. I love this. He says this. Verse 24 says, but God has so composed the body, giving more abundant honor to that member which lacked, so that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. I love that part. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. You know what I want to see in 2022? I want to see more of that. I want to see more of that community here in 2022, where we're pouring into each other. We're using our gifts when we meet together. That when someone is down, we're caring for them. When someone is up, we're celebrating with them. Last week, I had the opportunity to, uh, to be a part of the CAC kickball tournament. Man, what an incredible afternoon. 
far exceeded my expectations. I was asked to put a, put a team together, and uh, with, with the help of some people, we put a team together, middle school, high school, and, and college students. And uh, the, the event was to raise funds for our CAC ministry, you know, our, our friends that, that have special needs. And, and so, man, what an exciting day. And you guys just really, really showed up last weekend. So my heart goes out to, to all of you, and I can't say enough uh, thank you to, to coming out and, being, and just supporting, just being there for this community these members of our body. And so we got around, there's a, there's a guy named Matthew in our high school ministry. Matthew Craig, maybe you guys know him and have seen him, maybe know his, uh, his dad, Jim, or his parents or something. So we, got, we gathered around him. He was our, our team captain for the day. And, uh, and so we, we played kickball, it was a good time. And uh, somehow we ended up making our way through the brackets and ended up like getting into the championship game. And so we were called Matthew's Mariners. And we just had an incredible time. And I was watching this whole community just come together and celebrate this day and these members of our body on this day. The way that the, the, the ended up, due to a time crunch, the championship game ended up being like one inning. Talk about pressure, right? And so I, I remember specifically, I was like, you know, it really doesn't matter if we win or not. We've already won because we're celebrating with our community. We're celebrating with our brothers and sisters in Christ. We've already won. We've all received the championship trophy even before we get to this point. But I remember this point, Jim, Matthew's dad, looked over at me as we're getting ready to start this final inning, championship round, right? And he goes, are you, you going to want you know, Matthew to, to, to kick this round? I mean, it's fine. You know, I knew what he was saying. And, and I had, had to uh, probably apologize to everyone um, you know, that Coach Rob came out during the competition a couple times and uh, so I'm, I'm, my apologies to all the other teams, but, um, but we were competitive, man. We, we wanted to win this for Matthew. And, and I knew what Jim was asking. He's like, do you, shouldn't he be like back towards the back? And so, oh, no, no, he's, this is about him. He's going he's gonna to kick and we're going to win. And somehow, I mean, it, we won. It was awesome. And Matthew had the day of his life. It was great. He got to hoist up the trophy at the end. And, and this is our guy. This is our captain right here. And, uh, but you know what? Every single person that came out and celebrated that who weren't even on the field, you won. You won because you helped celebrate with our brothers and sisters in Christ. You came out and you supported with them. You played that game with them just as if you were out on the field. And so I thank you. That's the community that we need to step into. Be that for each other. Be, that, for, for, be that, that person that will speak truth to one another. Allow that to come into our lives. Celebrate the victories and stand with each other during the trials. Out of the goodness of God. He is faithful, amen. We gather together in community each and every week. We have this opportunity, which is incredible, each and every week to come together and to worship. Pray with me. God, thank you for, for just speaking into our life through your truth and your word this morning. And God, as we leave this place, may we just step back and see and ask ourselves, are we being all that you have called us to be in our community? God, forgive us in those moments when we may have hurried along or didn't take the time to make that phone call when we saw someone who needed encouragement. God, forgive us of that time that we didn't walk across the room and let somebody know that we've been praying for them. 
Ask them how they're doing. God, as we look at our hearts this morning, may we be the community that you have called us to be. May we be the family members that, 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 that our community needs us to be. God, as we invite people into this family, may they be shocked and awed by how we love one another. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.